weekend is here, and we're breaking down the teams that you're passionate about. Oh, really? This is the Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hour two of the Saturday show underway here on the Zone Sports Network. Jake Hatch and Eric Jensen along for the ride. Lundy is off this week watching a ska concert down there in Southern California, it sounds like. So he'll be back next week. But, of course, first scrimmages of fall camp for both the Utes and the Cougars taking place earlier today. Coaching staffs uh, speaking uh, to the media. We'll get as much of the audio to you as possible. Uh, we just got sent the audio from Utah. Brian Brown, of course, a good friend here on the Saturday show, uh, co-host of the Locked On Utes podcast. He is going to join us at 1.30, just as a heads up for you guys, so about 20 minutes away from the Brown Bear stopping by. But right now, let's let you go here from BYU head coach Kalani Satake. He spoke to the media just a little bit ago about what he took away from today's first scrimmage of training camp for the Cougars. Yeah, it was good. I mean, I think, uh, you know, we helped some guys out. Um, obviously, the guys with a lot of um Got some really good work. I thought it was really good work for the quarterbacks. I got I got to review everything and and really impressed with everybody. I, I there's a lot of good things, but I, I think we had some really good opportunities to see our guys how physical we are and how uh, well we can tackle how uh, how we block. Um, and then it was good to see some of the running backs be able to break some tackles and see the DBs make tackles. So I, overall, I thought we got everything we needed. Um, obviously, I had some guys get banged up, but nobody out for the year. So we'll just keep working with it. Uh, All right, Jay, go ahead. Hey, Kalani, did any particular side kind of win the day or was it pretty even as far as offense versus defense? You know, I think there are some good things on both sides. I thought I thought uh, normally defense is usually further ahead at this point, but uh, I saw some really good things on the offensive side, too. I I, uh, special teams look really good. And so we just got to keep working on on, um, you know, on, on little details and then get some more opportunities to have some live work. But uh, I thought overall is there's some good things on both sides and some things that we definitely can work on uh, in all three phases. Did one particular quarterback stand out? You know what? I wasn't even paying attention to who the one was. I, I just saw some things that were, I, I, I don't, if I'm looking at it now, I, I probably don't, can't t- answer that until I watch the film. I know you're, you're looking for more, uh, I just, we just barely just got off the field. So I, I know that we had some uh, some turnovers and things that happened today. And so, you know, some interceptions, but I think most of that was the defense making plays. And um, just uh, overall, there's some good and bad on both sides. But uh, I, I thought it was a pretty good day. Just a great day, to, day of work. Other questions for Coach? Uh, Norma, That's go it. ahead. <laughs> the, Norma is not going in there. Okay, go ahead, Norma. Yeah, I just wanted to, you know, make sure Kalani didn't get off too easy. <laughs> um, I, I feel like I missed the first couple of minutes, so I'm not sure if you already answered it. But seeing the first scrim- uh, scrimmage, I assume, right, of fall camp, um, would you say there's been any drop-off in team performance compared to where you guys left off last year? Or 
Is it just the usual drop off or is it a little bit more? Well, I think there's always going to be drop off, especially when you lose a, a NFL caliber type of quarterback that that's in his, you know, has tons of experience under his belt. And so, um, but it's not like you're just dropping off two guys that have never been on the field. So we have guys that, that in Baylor and Jaron that have played in games and have started in games. And so that that's a little bit different than, than what you normally would see when, when there's no experience behind, uh, behind the QB, but, and then Jacob's just a, he's, he's different in the way that he learns. He's a, he's an accelerated, accelerated rate in, in the way that he learns and the way that he performs and he's extremely confident. So that's why all three of those guys are in the mix. Um, I have to go review the film. And I, I'm, I'm just telling you right now that off of just watching practice today, I can't tell you if there was much separation, but I think after watching it on, on film, uh, we'll be able to tell a little bit more. Was there anyone that kind of surprised you today? Surprises? No, I, I thought, I mean, we knew that we had some good backs. We needed to see how they're going to shape up after um, Lopini and Tyler, and it was good to see Hinkley Ropati get some reps, Miles Davis, uh, Mason Fakahua, those guys get some um, some some opportunities to run the ball. And um, I thought they did some really good things. Uh, Protection-wise, I thought we were decent. And so I'm, I'm just looking at uh, things that I, I didn't see a lot of a lot of administrative mistakes, which was really good. That meaning the uh, pre-snaps, false starts, things like that. I thought it was pretty clean for the most part. And I thought that, you know, we had some uh, substitution issues with, with what we're, we're doing on, on both sides, but none of it was anything that was too alarming. I thought for the most part, really clean, give a lot of credit to our coordinators and the coaches for uh, communicating well and, and being, being a little bit more game ready than you, you usually see more mistakes than that. But I, I think that uh, they've been able to learn and, and make a lot of corrections along the way in the, in the first uh, practices leading up to the scrimmage. Okay, Sean and then Jay. Yeah, Coach, you, you mentioned earlier in camp that uh, the, the quarterbacks obviously aren't going to go live. And so I'm just kind of wondering exactly how, when you talk about playing physical and how physical you guys were in the scrimmage, how, how physical were you, I guess? How live were you? And do you plan to kind of ramp it up or did you guys just sort of jump in? Uh, this week with the first scrimmage? Yeah, we just went live. I mean, uh, there's uh, only one way to do live, and that's just go all at it. But the quarterbacks, you, you don't need to, to hit them. So I, we, don't, we don't run a triple option scheme, but or not yet. So we'll see if, if we have one uh, ready for Arizona. But, you know, but that's, that's our, our, our system doesn't require the quarterback to uh, carry the ball much and then to, to do stuff like what the – Navy and, and Air Force them do so uh, I, I think we were able to see if there are sacks and maybe you know we'll have to watch the film it's hard to do it in real real time but I think uh, I've, I've given kind of Ed that that uh, job of, of making the decision if it was a sack or not but I, I, I saw some good things from defense I saw some really good things from offense and away we go it's just really good opportunities for us to learn and get better that's what I'm I want to learn from this but uh, for the for the scrimmage though I thought administratively the mistakes that we that you normally show up didn't didn't show up as as they have in the past, meaning the, the, you know false starts and that much miscommunications. So it was it was a good clean uh, practice and, and scrimmage and and saw a lot of good tackling and a lot of opportunities to be physical. That's that's the film will, will dictate a little bit more when we can watch a little bit you know re rewind and watch every position and everybody on the field and how they performed.
Kalani, how, how close are you to a depth chart, pretty much a two deep chart, or are there still position battles kind of going on? Yeah, I think we kind of know where our depth chart is sitting right now. Um, uh, probably there's some positions that we know for sure where, where how it's going to look. And then there's others that it'll take a little bit more, but it, it's right now there's right now there's a, I know you guys may not like it, but there's a lot of ores still right now, which is a good sign. Um, what we're trying to do is just solidify who's going to be the definite starter and who's going to be a definite backup. And then if, if we still unsure, that means that they're both really good and maybe we have to change personnel groups or change uh, some stuff scheme-wise to get, get the best 11 on the field. So, yeah, I, I think that's starting to form, Jay. I see it happening a lot quicker than other other times. Um, this, just the one, this is the one that you guys all are interested in, and that's the quarterback, but everything else is starting to shape up pretty quick. Hey, Jacob, go ahead. That coach kind of shifting gears um, this week was the start of the NFL preseason. Have you had any contact with some of your guys who have made their uh, NFL debuts this week? Yeah, myself and our coaches, we keep in touch with a lot of those guys. And so I think, you know, with, with texting, that's the way to do it. But uh, a few of those guys will call and, and we'll talk and um, try to stay in contact with them. But I know they, they're really busy. So uh, anytime we can send some words of encouragement, we do that. And Looking forward to seeing. I don't know what's on TV and what what we can record, but I'm gonna try to watch as many of those guys play and, and perform today. I'm looking forward to it. I, I think the game's already started. There's a bunch of games that have already started, so probably just have to hopefully hopefully even get it. You know, on on film. I I like watching our guys, and so we'll, we'll see if we can get to it. Good question. Um, okay, that's all we're gonna have for. Columbus. I saw Criddle raise his hand though. I know, do you, I mean, A-Rod I'll take I'll take it for Criddle. Criddle okay. okay, was a Criddle was my one of my players that when my first year of coaching I got to coach okay. him. So I, okay. you know, I got I got I got to be nice to him. Hey, okay. I appreciate I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> no, I'm actually really intrigued. I, I think there's been an argument in the offseason that the the best position group is actually the specialist this year, even though there's a lot of talent everywhere else. Uh, the only question mark was surrounding the long snapper, and I'm I. I I've seen long snappers win games and lose games. And so is the or uh, delineation still there for the Austin Riggs, Britton Hogan battle? Yes. Uh, from my point of view, yes. Uh, Ed will be making that decision. But there, I think, I mean, we have really two really good snappers and, and they can do both the long and the short snap. And, and uh, I really like those guys. So, uh, you know, for what for, for what it's worth, we, we, we like having two guys that can do it. And you said that, You've seen that position win and lose games. The fortunate part is no one's really heard about that position, and that's a good sign. So hopefully we can keep it that way and, uh, you know, get those guys keep it. There's a lot. Those guys have played a lot of games, and so I'll let Ed answer that question for you, Ben. But, yeah, the, I, I really like having them on the team. It gives us a huge sense of security knowing that we can have a couple guys that can do both, both those, those style of snaps. Long snapper battles. Oh yeah, you got to know that long, long snapper knowledge. You do. You know? you, you, you got to have a guy who can snap the ball adequately. We get that, but that was quite the question to finish off. I, I thought Kalani answered it pretty well. He, he basically did. said, you know, as if you can't notice them, then we're doing a good job. Well, yeah, they they they. I'm uh, there's a phrase I like to use with offensive linemen and long snappers go into this. They toil in anonymity. You don't typically know their name unless they have screwed up. And 
having played offensive line, not at a very high level, I only played at the high school level, I can tell you this much. People don't know your name, but as soon as you screw up, that's when they know your name. So, oh, yeah. So, yeah, tough thing. But uh, interesting to hear Kalani also mention the fact that, yeah, he was just walking off the field. He had some of his impressions, but he is always quick to say, hey, I need to go and review the film before I make any definitive things. Uh, we'll have another chance, if I'm not mistaken, next av- media availability for BYU, I believe, is Tuesday. So, Hopefully, he'll have some more thoughts on how things went in that scrimmage when we get down there to Provo next week. But interesting to hear him talk about the fact that he felt like there were things accomplished in this. He said he wanted to see more of the running backs, uh, especially behind Tyler Algier and Lopini Katoa. You have two very established veterans there at running back, but you you also have guys behind them. You need to find a quote-unquote RB3. You need to find a third running back at minimum. Uh, also, to, it, before that, in the previous segment, you heard Aaron Roderick mention the name of Miles Davis, a freshman out of the Las Vegas area, made the transition to playing uh, running back last year as a freshman for BYU during the 2020 season, showed some interesting tidbits during his reserve role during the last season, but interesting to hear him talk about the fact that, speaking of Coach Roderick, that Miles Davis is doing really good things out there. I think it's going to be an interesting uh position to watch at running back for the Cougars because as I said you have two very established veterans there uh, Tyler Algier coming off a thousand yard season Lopini Katoa kind of a do-it-all back catches it out of the backfield very effective in the run game as well so they complement each other very nicely and we'll see if any other running backs are able to kind of I guess take uh, reps away and Eric, anything else that you think was notable from that? I think the quarterback battle still very much up in the air from both Coach Roderick and Coach Satake, both saying we still need to evaluate the film. It was encouraging, though, to hear, I guess, Coach Roderick say that the picture is becoming clearer, if I got the quote right there, where he feels like we're starting to see things, but Kalani said there had been not enough separation for him to really establish much of a, I guess what you'd say, a timeline on who's going to be the guy. Can I just say something on this? Okay. Not to get too conspiracy theorist on you, but... <laughs> Please, get it, get all conspiracy theorists on us. Come on. Like, these guys know who they're starting. Like... I think they have an idea. Like, they're... Ne- and I, I think the president has been set over the past few years that you are just not going to know the starting quarterback for either one of these programs until week one rolls around. It's just not going to be public knowledge. You might hear, if you're well-connected with the program, you might hear sources, anonymous sources say things to you. Ooh, hashtag sources? Hashtag sources, which obviously I have none of. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of don't buy the whole, like, oh, yeah, like, we, we're not really sure yet. We need to see more. Like, at this point, you've been in camp for, like, two and a half weeks, basically. Like, you probably know who you're going to start at quarterback. Because if you don't, I think that's kind of a problem. Like, somebody's going to separate themselves after, you know, five or six practices, which is what you're at right now. So, yeah, I just uh, – I, I think they know where that's coming from. The one thing I took away was Aaron Roderick was really complimentary of the defense and especially their run-stopping ability. Um which is always, you know, a characteristic of a Kalani Satake team. So uh, that's good to hear. And, I I mean, for as hyped as the back of BYU's defense is, the question marks come in the front where, again, they lost a lot to the draft with Kairos Tonga going to the Bears and such. So, sure. yeah, I mean, uh, you de- 
I would say this. I produced for Big Show the first day that they had media availability. You are learning a lot now, more now from these media availabilities than you were then. Well, the, the coaches have actually had a chance to watch these guys a little more because during the summer, it's the player-run practices that coaches are never aware of officially on the record. So, it, it, But they're finally getting to see them and work with them, et cetera. So, yeah, they are speaking a little more freely about that. I will back you up in this, Eric. I do think, the, uh, speaking of the, both the Utah and the BYU quarterback battles, I do think the coaching staffs have an inclination of who they are likely to start, but I think they are still giving these guys a little more runway before they ultimately make that final decision. So that's, I guess that's where I'll give them a little bit of a little wiggle room there. But I think your overall premise, though, is pretty spot on. All right, coming up on the other side, we are going to be joined by Brian Brown, co-host of the Locked on Utes podcast, a good friend of the show here. He was up there at Utah Media Availability. We'll get his reaction to what Kyle Whittingham as well as players said after their scrimmage up on the hill. That's all coming up right here on the Saturday show. Let's go live. We talk jazz, Utes, Cougars, and Aggies, even on the weekend. Weekend. You're locked on to the Saturday show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Hope you all are doing great here on this Saturday afternoon. Been a very busy show to this point, but it's not going to slow down now. Let's get out to the Smart Rain guest line and welcome in the one, the only, Brian Brown, the brown bear himself. Brian, what is up, my friend? How are you? Jake, you know, it's a little bit sad not to see you virtually, but I'm I'm doing well and uh, excited to talk about Utah football, although I don't know if I'm going to have any long snapper takes for this segment, so (laughs) please, please forgive me. I'm expecting your long snapper takes. That's what we want. But anyways, we'll yeah, see. Yeah, it's kind of the reason we have you on this show. So. <laughs> Once again, just another disappointment, me handing out to everyone in life. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> uh, of course, those of you who may not know, Brian Brown is, of course, co-host of the Locked On Utes podcast with myself. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Also, some work for Ute Zone, and in his spare time, happens to you know hold down a full-time job outside of that. But nonetheless, very busy man. Uh, Brian, let's start here with just a very generic question but what were the overall takeaways that you had from utah media availability today well it was the first time i've actually seen coach whittingham be a little salty because the offense won the day and that seemed to be the prevailing theme uh really positive comments from Britton covey and, and nick ford after the game kyle whittingham said that the offense was uh the clear winner uh for their first scrimmage and there was a lot of conversation regarding the quarterback battle, obviously, but also a lot of discussion about the progress of the offensive line and the continual development of the four-headed monster at the running back position. And it's been a different kind of camp in that regard because most of the discussion has been not about you know, defensive players coming in and out. They're returning a lot of guys, still very young, uh, very few position battles on that side of the football, mostly just the defensive end spot opposite Mika Tapua. But on the offensive side of the football, there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of intrigue. There's a lot of conversation about what's happening over there. And I say that Kyle Whittingham was salty mostly because he is a defensive coach first and a head coach second. 
And I think, you know, anytime that the offense gets the best of the defense, he takes it just a little bit personally. Yeah, so, Brian, I, I had a question for you. This is Eric. Hi. Um, Hello, Eric. I, I'm doing good. Long uh, time, first time? Yeah, long time, <laughs> first time. That was terrible. Um, so, <laughs> one guy that is on every single year, Utah has this running back that you don't really hear a lot about, freshman, whatever. This year, it's Micah Bernard. I, I've watched some of his high school highlights. I've been kind of watching him a little bit. He seems like an absolute electric factory what are the odds that by week six or seven he's getting most of the touches for this offense i i think that's the the interesting factor with with bernard you know he he comes from a very small school in california he's actually a year younger for his class and so he has been a very under the radar talent in in a lot of the broad eyes but for those within the program and those outside of it they've known about him for a while they were extremely pleased to get him uh in that recruiting cycle they thought that he was one of the best if not the best talents on the west coast he's starting to showcase it but the the reality with bernard is that there are three other backs in that room that are really impressive tavion thomas the juco transfer uh from independence has really started to show out and just his sheer athleticism at 6'3 230 is so rare, and, and the comparison to Derrick Henry, I think, is apt in terms of you don't see wow. backs that big who can move like he does. He's very shifty. He's very fast. He's very fluid as an athlete. Usually when a guy is that thick at that size, they're not as elusive, and, and, and Tavion Thomas is that, but he's also an excellent blocker, uh, especially in pass protections, and that's where I think uh, the Bernard question really comes to settle is that He's so versatile as a piece, and if you have a guy like Tavion Thomas who can do most of the blocking and, and kind of the grunt work, then you can use Bernard as a piece either in the slot or coming across on fly sweeps. You know, you mentioned that he is an electric factory. I think that's a very apt description. You could call him the electrician or, or, or Sparky, whatever you want, um, because he really can light it up whenever he touches the football. When he was in high school, uh, I think every time he got his hands on a kick return his junior year, he took it back for a touchdown. So that kind of gives you an idea of, of his explosive ability. And so I think I don't know that he gets the majority of the reps, but I think what the difference could be is that every every touch and every rep that he does get where he's possessing the football could be very electric. And so I'll I'll kind of phrase it that way. Okay. Reading up on some of these reports, it sounds like Tavion Thomas was mentioned by name by Coach Whittingham as one of the standouts of uh, of today's scrimmage. Brian, we know that Utah has a rich tradition with junior college running backs coming in and standing out for the Utes. It, it goes back decades at this point. It's it's absolutely phenomenal. They're doing a good job identifying talent. What do you think are the realistic expectations that he can actually have an imprint on this year's squad? At a position like running back, I think they should be high because it's a position where I think natural gifts and ability are more transferable on the field. Uh, You're not as nuanced in terms of uh, assignment and technique. You know, you do need to get low and run behind your pads. And specifically, Nick Ford mentioned that today, that all four backs are very good at dropping their shoulders if they're going through the line and initiating contact. Uh, what I think is unique about Thomas is he's come to a program where he's found a home, and and that's the biggest thing is that Utah's got a few of these transfer portal guys: Chris Curry, T.J. Pleasure, Tavion Thomas, all incoming transfers. You know, 
from various places that have come to Utah and felt at home because they have work ethic. They want to grind. They want to buy into the culture there. And so they've been productive because of it. Now, a lot of it is just that Thomas is just so naturally gifted as an athlete. But I think that the problem is going to be that you have four capable backs. How do you use them all in what variety? Uh, and I think what's going to end up happening is you'll see more TJ Pledger and more uh, Makai Bernard splitting out, you know, and, and being part of maybe the wide receiver group, not officially, but part in, in terms of how they're motioned and things like that, just so that you can play them all. Um, but I think Thomas, you know, it'll be fascinating to see who actually starts in the first game. Uh, initially, I thought it would be Makai Bernard. Uh, I'm leaning towards Tavion Thomas now, and if that's going to be the case, and I think you can set your expectations for his performance level is pretty high. It's you know, I, I always hate to or hesitate to bring up Ty Jordan a little bit just because of the, the tragedy behind it, but we heard a lot of the same kind of conversation uh, regarding Ty Jordan last year, and, and I don't want to compare too much to that, but if, if that's the way they're talking about Tavion Thomas, then I think it's definitely something to be aware of and take note of. So obviously a big storyline here has been the quarterbacks, but it's important to have people to throw to. Obviously, they were the Utes were aggressive in the transfer portal with kind of restocking their wide receiving core. Who of the guys on the team right now is getting the most buzz out of camp? It's Theo Howard at the moment, and I think that's part of it is just because it's Britton Covey that's delivering a lot of the buzz to the media uh, in availability. Um, but Britton, we know what he is. You know, he's going to be a great option. Uh, short yard is turning into to bigger plays and everything like that. But Theo Howard is really the guy who has come in and kind of established himself as, as the go-to and, and or the leader of the group, I think, from the transfers. The other one that seems to consistently be mentioned is, is Solomon Enos, and, and I think you know, he is primed to really have a fantastic season. You, know, you, you talk about the wide receivers in conjunction with the quarterbacks, and it's a very symbiotic relationship because wide receivers have to get open, quarterbacks have to get on the ball. I think this is the first time in a while that Utah has had capable quarterbacks who can get the ball to the wide receivers on time and the kind of wide receivers who can get open against Pac-12 defenses. Theo Howard is probably one of the more unique wide receiver prospects that the University of Utah has had. I don't know that they've had a wide receiver of his ability, you know, in terms of both technique but also size and natural physical gifts, maybe since Darren Carrington. Wow. Okay, that would be interesting to see that. Uh, so flipping over the defense for a minute here, Brian, you and I on the Locked on Utes podcast, we've talked a little bit about some of the different position groups. Uh, it sounds like, and I'm taking this off of Twitter, like people just tweeting out snippets from what Kyle Whittingham had to say. He said the top four safeties today, Vontae Davis, Cole Bishop, Kamoy Latu, and Brandon McKinney. Uh, should that be encouraging, uh, considering you've got Vontae Davis coming back, obviously, but Cole Bishop has already been mentioned by Kyle Whittingham as being Nate Ritchie Part 2. Uh, Kamoy Latu, very highly thought of prospect, and Brandon McKinney, the grad transfer coming in uh, from, or is he, was he a grad transfer from Washington, or was he just a regular transfer? I'm, I'm not... Grad, graduate transfer, I'm pretty sure on that one. But should we be encouraged by those being the four guys at that position and the expectation that all four of them can have an impact? I, I do think so. I think what's really encouraging is just it's the group across the board in the defensive backfield that they've talked very highly of. They're very confident in JT Broughton and, and Clark Phillips, but also Malone Matayele. And I think that that gives them some versatility back there. So 
you know, maybe even if you don't have two set starters, you have some packages and some abilities to mix things up that will really give you, um, you know, some some options. And I think in a, a conference that's as, as varied as the Pac-12 in terms of system and, and, and type of athlete that you have to defend, that's a positive thing. Now, that being said, Cole Bishop has been on the tip of Kyle Whittingham's tongue every single practice, and he kind of even chuckled when he said it because it's just like, yep, that's where we start every single week. And so I think that has to be absolutely encouraging that a freshman who Utah really went after hard, that everyone else was trying to put at linebacker, they, they believed he could, be, he could be a safety, and he's coming in as a freshman and, and having that kind of positive impact. I think it speaks more highly to their ability to identify and recruit the position more so than lack of talent because Kamoi Latu is no slouch. That, that He's a tremendous prospect. He's done well. We know what Vontae Davis can do. You know, McKinney has come in from Washington and, and been, a, been a stable presence. That's a guy that not just was a backup at Washington, but was regularly seeing snaps and being on the field. So if you're that confident in a player like Cole Bishop and everybody else had him pegged as a linebacker, clearly you're doing something right in that regard. And it'll just be up to uh, Morgan Scally and the rest of the defensive coaching staff to get them all up to speed and on board. But, you know, we saw it with Nate Ritchie, the progress that he made in five games last year. Uh, you would have to expect that Cole Bishop will get a little bit of that this year, but I think they really benefit from having some guys behind him as well who can play. Clark Phillips, obviously the headliner in the secondary among the cornerbacks, but obviously we all know the NFL, the NCAA, it's becoming passing leagues. You need to have – you're playing nickel a lot more now. Can you talk to me kind of about who the Utes have – at nickel corner and how that's kind of going to develop and maybe spend a second on talking about their CB2, uh, Travis Broughton. Yeah, I think really what they're looking for right now, you, you mentioned Clark Phillips and he's the most versatile piece that they have. And, and for a, I mean, I guess you could technically call him a redshirt freshman because he only played in five games last year. For a redshirt freshman to have the versatility to move inside and play that nickel position, which is, is such a hybrid spot and you have to know a lot and be very physical, but also uh, fast or be able to play on the outside is is a nice option to have. What it allows them to do is it allows them to get the three best prospects on the field no matter what. So if Clark, you know, if Fabian Marks, for example, uh, does really step up, and, and I believe Coach Whittingham mentioned him uh, in his comments today as somebody that they're looking at. I know that they're extremely high on, on Zamaya Vaughn who was a walk-on last year from Texas. I believe he's a converted high school quarterback, but he's 6'2", 6'3", and, and, and about 200-ish pounds. They love that kind of frame and that big physical type of corner. So if one of those two guys can really establish themselves as the uh, other opposite uh, outside corner of JT Broughton, then you can slide Clark Phillips on the inside. I think it's Broughton and Phillips without a doubt one and two. And then even then – I think, you know, it's it's probably day-to-day which one is one and which one is two. They speak very highly of both. In fact, Britton Covey mentioned it today that watching J.T. Broughton run, it's just, he said, you have no idea how fast he really is until you see him run, and then it's just electric watching him. So all that being said, uh, it comes down to which one of Fabian Marks, uh, Zamayavon, or Malone Mattaielli, are those three, whichever one kind of establishes themselves as the uh, the third best player then they'll fit the pieces kind of on the board. My expectation would be that Mattaelli emerges as the nickel, which will allow Clark Phillips and JT Broughton to be on the outside. 
Okay, Brian, last thing before we let you go, is there a name that on no matter where it's at on the roster that Utah fans, the media, et cetera, have been overlooking that you feel like needs to be shouted out? Nephi Sewell, maybe. Um, like, I don't <laughs> – it's hard because, like, we're, we're – <laughs> some of this is hard because there are so many guys that we're hearing about that are they're really excelling, and I think that's maybe the best way to talk about it is that the theme – the carryover from 2019 and, and this is not just you know media stuff a lot of it is coming from the players as well um i'll say this uh tennessee Putertal was mentioned today uh as somebody that we probably aren't talking about nearly enough and i think the difficulty with that is that he's a you know he's part of the rotation at defensive tackle but he could be that kind of guy who comes in on third downs and, and causes absolute havoc as a pass rusher in the middle. So I'll go with Nephi Sewell, obviously, because I think Nephi doesn't get his due ever nearly as much as he should for how good he is. And then Tennessee Pujitao. But uh, overall, I think it's just speaking to the depth and the talent that this team has and why there is so much conversation about the comparisons to 2019, because there are a lot of guys out there that we're talking about that are doing really well. Brian, you are the only 10 I see. You're welcome. Wow, that was really pathetic. That was that whole sequence was just terrible. That's my co-host. That's my co-host. Oh, that was I. I had to. It was sitting right there. It was just hanging out there. Had to had to pull that one out. Brian, thank you for taking the time. Look forward to catching up with you again soon. And of course, if people want to hear more of your expert takes, of course, check out the Locked On Utes podcast. Yeah, Jake, I think it's a surefire sign that we're hanging out too much that you're making bad puns like that. We're, we really have gotten close, but <laughs> <laughs> give us a listen, give us a follow. We promise to keep you updated daily. And, yes, that is five episodes a week. Yeah, we do We do have a lot of fun with that. There's no doubt about it. Thanks again, my friend. Take care, guys. Thanks, Love talking to you. All right, there you go, Brian Brown. And, yes, as he mentioned, the Locked On Utes podcast. If you want daily talk and podcast form of the Utes, check out Locked On Utes. I also do the Locked On Cougars podcast covering BYU. We've got both you Cougar and Ute fans covered every day in the podcast sphere, in addition to everything else here on the station. Of course, we post them on the website and all of that. So coming up next, we wrap up the show, our final thoughts. And I don't know what Eric's got cooked up he has that little glint in his eye because i never quite know what he's got for us but we'll get to that next this is the saturday show the weekend is here and we're breaking down the teams that you're passionate about oh really this is the saturday show on 97.5 1280 the zone and the zone sports network Our dearest boy, Alex Lumberg, is in the city of angels currently, enjoying a ska show. Now I must emphasize, this is not a bit making fun of Alex. His love for ska is potentially the purest thing about this show, and it truly brings us great joy. Alex deserves the time off and works hard, so in his honor, here are three fun facts about ska. Fun fact 1. Ska started in the 1950s and actually originated in Jamaica. It was a predecessor to reggae within the country, and the style made its way to New Orleans where it was adopted by blues music. Two-tone ska, the more contemporary version of the art form, was developed in England in the 1970s. Finally, fun fact three. Ska has always been a bit underground. It doesn't get much radio airtime. Except for here on the Saturday show. 
Fun fact number three is that Alex Lundberg is single-handedly keeping ska music relevant on terrestrial radio. What can we say? The man loves ska. Ska defines who I am as a person, and I will never turn my back on ska. Well, Hi guys, we like ska music in the Bengals. What's up? Guys, I like ska. All right, Eric. A little underhanded to do it while he's gone, but you know. Uh, that was not insulting. <laughs> Just kidding. No, that's pretty good. No, I thought it was pretty good. Well done. I, I- well, we're backlogged, by the way. I made one like for like two weeks ago when you weren't here, uh-huh. and I made one for... The, the one you week, made two weeks ago was supposed to be played last the week. week we, after. We ran out of time. No, so. no, there's oh. there's one before that. Oh. So someday, maybe if we have some time to kill, we'll have to go. We'll, we'll call it the archives. All right. All right. Yeah. Nothing is nothing is out of bounds for Eric Jensen when it comes to the final segment here on the Saturday show. But well done there. I learned something about Scott today. I did not know that it started in Jamaica. Yeah, me neither. I was so. very surprised by that. And, but it has always truly kind of been an underground genre. There's no doubt. Yeah. All right. Well, Eric, it's been a fun show. Yeah. You had some, I mean, did, you had some did, fun? Yeah, yeah, definitely fun. I mean, I feel like I was telling Brian on the phone, I feel like this is a warm-up. Like today <laughs> today was today was a little bit chaotic, a okay. little little bit hectic, a little bit all over the place. But uh, this is a warm-up because, you yeah. know, this is get the muscles ready to do this at God knows when in the morning in November. Well, it was a fun show. There's no doubt about that. Had a lot of talk, obviously, about fall camp. You heard from Kalani Sitake as well and Roderick from BYU. Brian Brown just joined us in the last segment to talk about what he took away from Utah. Uh, we will be doing, right after the show, we'll be putting all that audio, both from BYU and Utah, up on our website, 1280thezone.com. Also be available on our podcast feeds if you guys want to uh, listen to Kyle Whittingham, Kalani Satake, players and coaches from both programs. We'll get that up. We'll have this show up there as well on demand. We'll have it all for you guys. So make sure you join us each week here on the Saturday show. Of course, Lundy should be back next week. And, of course, who knows what's going to happen in the week to come. But we'll have it all covered for you guys here on the Saturday show. But in the meantime, make sure to check out DJ and PK in the morning. Hands and Scotty in the midday, as well as the big show on your afternoon drive home throughout the week for all the latest when it comes to all the sports that you care about. Until next week, have a good one. This has been the Saturday Show right here on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM, and the Zone Sports Network. See ya.